0: welcome back to your haunted holiday this is lisa and this is Lindsay. and today Lindsay, we have another listener request from our listener cammy and we've done kind of a similar location but we haven't done this one specifically and this place is haunted it's a very famous underground area of a very famous city okay i love that kind of stuff This is a place I've always wanted to go. This is your haunted holiday in the Seattle Underground in Seattle, Washington. So i want to thank Cami for this recommendation she called out in her email that we have done the portland underground before which we have which that's another really cool city cool place to go that i would like to go but we haven't done the seattle underground specifically and what i was surprised by in researching this i just kind of assumed that The reason there was a Seattle underground was the same types of reasoning there was for Portland, where they use those tunnels to Shanghai people and put them on the ships and get them drunk and kind of slink them out. That is totally different in Seattle. That is not why. It's actually a really interesting background. I'm surprised by that. I was just expecting a bunch of Shanghaiing to be taking place. If you all have not listened to the Portland Underground episode, we talked about that. If you don't know what Shanghaiing is, you will learn what that is. Yeah, you can go check that out. Yes, it's a good episode. So before there was a Seattle Underground, there was just the city of Seattle. Okay. And that's essentially what the Underground is the original city of Seattle. And the problem is the people, the original settlers that found Seattle, of course, was like, oh my gosh, this place is beautiful. It's on the ocean. There's all these trees. They decided to build the city at sea level. And I mean, Seattle is literally like on the beach. Yeah. I mean, I watched, this is maybe kind of out of context. That sounds dangerous. I I saw some show years ago about a potential like super tsunami that could hit Seattle based off of potential area of a earthquake or like something like a landslide and they're like this is worst case scenario so folks in Seattle don't be terrified but it sounds like risky business i mean to be that low <laughs> i mean i would say anybody on the coast could be impacted by a tsunami probably but maybe Seattle's more dangerous based on the fault lines or, you know, whatever you were discussing there with earthquakes. I don't know. I, I, I didn't really plan on discussing tsunami possibilities in this episode. <laughs> Look out, folks. <laughs> if the sea disappears on you and you're at the beach, get to high ground. It means it's coming. Yes, as quickly as possible. But that's not really the issue that these settlers had, okay? <laughs> okay? So the people that were settlers, they weren't architects. They weren't city designers. They put this place at sea level. And little did they realize that this is like the wettest place in North America. It rains a lot in Seattle. It's kind of known for that. Every time it would rain, the streets would flood. This developed mold and sickness. Also, Everything here was made out of wood because Seattle has a lot of trees. So they were like, well, let's make use of these resources and make all of our buildings out of wood and the sewage pipes out of hollowed out pieces of wood, which is, oh my gosh, like what a crazy I talk. T- yeah. So every time it would flood, guess what else would come with the flood water? Sewage and stinkiness. And this was a major problem. Oh, it is a major problem. That's just awful. Whoever designed this plan didn't think it through. No, I have in my notes: rain flooding equals yuck. Okay, (laughs) I was gonna say rain flooding equals poop. (laughs) (laughs) Equals in the streets. Ugh, gross. Yes. So, anyways, they they have an infrastructure issue here in this city okay well it's a very damp city you know nothing bad could happen in terms of fire yes we have flooding all the time this is a pain it's causing disease whatever but in 1889 they had a very dry summer and unfortunately this place is a tinderbox it's ready to light up somebody makes a mistake i think it was a carpenter created a grease fire threw water on the grease fire which as we know will not put a grease fire out actually makes it worse this thing spread. Everything's made of wood. This thing went on for two days. They were very unprepared to try to put this fire out and it destroyed most of what was left of downtown. It was like 33 city blocks or something like that. So this was really major. We don't actually know how many people died in the fire because the census records and all of that was destroyed as well they don't think there was some huge number of people that died but they do believe at least you know maybe one or, or more did but there's really no way for us to know got it got it i was wondering when you said uh all the buildings were made of wood because of the resources there at the time i was thinking fire and then i did think well it's seattle you know like maybe not but i guess it did happen Yes. So not long after this fire, just within days, the city came together and decided we need to rebuild. And so they all agreed, let's make everything out of stone and brick so that we don't run into this fire issue again. But not only do we want to do that, we need to resolve this disgusting flooding issue and our sewage pipes and everything else. So. Let's actually raise the city up. And in order to do that, they started at the end of the ocean, where the ocean line was, and they started just putting massive amounts of dirt there. So basically, their plan over the course of several years was to take tons of dirt, build the city up, put up some infrastructure on the actual city buildings, and kind of build the buildings up while also creating streets. In this process of doing this, it was kind of dangerous because the store owners, they couldn't wait to reopen their shop until the city had built up. That was obviously going to take some time. So a lot of store owners went ahead and rebuilt their storefronts and continued to sell out of the lower level while the city continued to build on top of them, basically. well. This is where it was dangerous. People would be walking down the street. You know, back in the 1800s, they didn't worry too much about, like, caution signs and cones to say, like, beware, there's construction ahead. So people would just be strolling down the street and they would fall off the edge into the lower area, which sometimes was, like, 20 feet or more into the streets below they say 17 people at least died this way and the city called it involuntary suicide what that's just outrageous that's their way of trying to get out of litigation yes it is pretty bad so anyways you know they ended up building the city up a lot of times these businesses were doing business out of just the lower level and then meanwhile building a building above that as the infrastructure got there so sometimes they'd be kind of going back and forth eventually in 1907 the city actually ended up shutting down the underground area altogether because for a while people were doing business out of both they would like use ladders and stuff like what a Mm -hmm. weird time in seattle that would have been but they discovered rats with the bubonic plague in the underground and so they were like we need to shut this place down let's try to kill all these rats they put out all these rat traps and they were like this place is nobody's allowed to be down here so they shut down all the businesses all the businesses were forced to move up top but this is a great place for some stuff that me and you might enjoy lindsay like the seedy black market stuff of the day some cocktails some gambling so the underground there i was thinking what on earth are we gonna enjoy on the black market oh i got it prohibition we a topic we come back to time and time again yes so they ended up using the underground for black market stuff so people above ground would think man there's like this place is so nice like i don't see anything shady happening here but right below their feet there are gambling halls speakeasies but also things a little bit more nefarious than even that which is drug use prostitution things that are a little bit worse than your average speakeasy are happening down there i will say lisa and i for our listeners did have one interesting black market moment in our lives Uh, it's not an underground situation but it was felt a little bit that way we were in new york visiting a friend and we went to chinatown we were on uh, canal street many of you know there's a lot of black market like real and fake designer handbags stuff like that and we had, you know, a guy, you know, multiple people whisper to you as you walk down Canal Street, Gucci, Prada, Louis Vuitton, Coach, you know, whatever. And we were waiting on one we liked, and we heard like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Prada. And we're like, yes, sir. Where is that? <laughs> and he took us into a store, pushed on a wall, that opened into a secret passageway, where we proceeded up to a hidden store. That was the yes. black market. And you had to be all quiet in there, because it could get raided at any moment. (laughs) It was insane. Like, I can't even believe we did that. And we agreed to walk into that dark, kind of scary stairwell. I thought we could be kidnapped at any moment. We're off the grid now. We're in this space. We were off the grid. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know how applicable that is to this situation, but there certainly was black market activity there. Maybe they were selling, you know, luxurious handbags in this underground, I don't know. But eventually the city really did clear it out. And they said, you know what, we're locking this up. I think it was like in the forties. We're not allowing anybody down here anymore. And they really did close off the entrances and not allow anybody else down there. In the 1950s, there was a journalist by the name of Bill Speedle, and he actually started looking into this underground, and he started writing some articles out there about how the city needs to preserve this as a historic site. There's all of this history down there. Literally, Lindsay, nothing has been touched. Like, there is stuff down there from stores that is well over 100 years old that's just been left down there, okay? So, yeah, I mean, it's really, really neat. So he starts talking about this. They need to open these up. We need to do a historic site. A lot of people agreed after reading his articles. They were like, yes, we do need to do this. They started writing their city council on his behalf, saying he's right. Eventually, the city agreed and was like, you're right. Let's make this a historic site. Bill, we're going to give you access to this place. And he actually started up his own underground tour company where he would charge people a dollar and this was starting back in like 1965 so it took him a while to get the city to begin recognizing it and allow him to have access and start running this tour company so he does historic tours and of course paranormal tours but what's crazy is He is no longer alive because this was a while ago that this tour company started. However, that tour company is still running today. And that's what I'm going to talk about at the end of the episode. So, Lindsay, now that this place is opened up for tours, obviously, they've started experiencing some paranormal activity from who knows when i mean they do say you know seattle originally it was kind of like a pioneering town there was a lot of gold rush people going through there so there was like shootouts people murdered like it was kind of a a crazy time back in the day like i know we say this a lot when we get into some of these old western towns but this is kind of like the wild wild west battles taking place to some degree so and we're talking about original streets of the town that were used for you know whatever that anybody could have been walking on that are now haunted by anybody who could have been murdered in a shootout anybody who could have died those people that fell off the edge during Mm -hmm. construction People that during um, the early 1900s, when it was used for black market, there was probably a lot of shady stuff going on down there. It also could be really, you know, innocent enough and just somebody who lived there, that's attached to their their home or their business. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get into some of this. So most of what people experience here, there are some really specific apparitions, but in general, you want to listen for footsteps. There is also what they say, a feeling in the underground of being watched as well as being followed. The other thing that you want to look for is orbs. talked about this in our last episode. People here will see orbs to the naked eye. So it's not just through pictures, but you may also actually visually see it. The other thing to be aware of is high emf levels are down here people will catch evps there are apparitions that are throughout the eras so to my earlier point we don't know who all these apparitions are, why they are necessarily there. There's, I mean, a ton of history here. These are the original streets of Seattle when it was built at sea level. So you will see apparitions that are in Victorian era clothing, that are in later clothing. And some of them, I guess, look severely wounded. So you may see like some of the wounds, maybe they have a gunshot wound or, or mm. something like that, that resulted in their death. The other thing to be aware of is shadowy figures that they say can be seen kind of slinking throughout, which is like a creepy term, but that's the term that I heard, you know, kind of out of the corner of your eye is how I visualize that. I like that. I like that term slinking. I feel like that's a great descriptor. We need to use that one more on the show (laughs) because I can totally visualize that yes absolutely they also say there are faces in the windows at the entrance to the underground so you want to look for just random kind of faces looking through the window at you when nobody is necessarily there now the other thing that seattle has a major history of is brothels okay this was actually a huge business back in the day up until honestly like not that long ago the city would turn a blind eye there was one lady in particular who ran a brothel and she basically used it as kind of like a garment business was the front for it so she would call the ladies she would hire seamstresses And at the time, the, you know, this place was going through a gold rush. They were also hiring builders to help build the city upwards. They needed manpower. So the number of women to men was 10 to 1. So there was 10 men for every one woman. And so, you know, prostitution was like very popular back then, we'll say. And this one woman who owned a brothel, she became one of the richest people in the world and was actually one of the biggest contributors to public school in Seattle up until Bill Gates beat her out in the 90s. That's how rich this person was. So she was wow. also very much into philanthropy. Yeah. She seized on that supply and demand situation going on. That's so interesting that it was that many men to, to women. I, I had yes. no idea. It was not a good ratio for men, that is for sure. But anyways, she made the most of it. But prostitution was big in Seattle for that reason, because of that ratio. And so there is a place that you can go to. So the underground itself, it is not everything possible to see. A lot of it has been closed off for safety issues, or has been filled in. So it is a limited area of the underground that you're gonna get to see. It's still pretty big, but one of the places that you're gonna be able to see is what's called the Oriental Hotel, which was the original name of a brothel back in the day. And that is still there. I mean, it's crazy when you see pictures of this because it's like what it would look like, you know, Mm. walking down the original streets, here's this, Hotel, I say in quotation marks, that's truly a brothel. And they say there is a lot of activity here and apparitions of prostitutes just kind of walking around the streets. How cool. Well, the sounds, I would love to go down there and see this. Like we, Lisa and I, you know, we're, we're history people. So to be able to actually go and see what it would be like, I think it would be so neat. And, I mean, there's just a tremendous amount of history here and original stuff in those those buildings and on the streets. The other place that's really haunted, so that Oriental Hotel is supposed to have a lot of activity around it, The other place that's considered really haunted is the bank. So there's a bank there where you can see like a bank vault, a bank teller's cage. There is a bank vault where behind it, they say that a woman was murdered. I cannot verify this as fact, but they do believe a woman was murdered back there. There's a lot of activity. People say that they have seen her apparition itself. They also say that she will show up in photos you can hear you know, people kind of talking back there as well as experience cold spots behind the vault. Mm-hmm. I like the audible potential of being able to hear like people talking when you walk into a abandoned building. Yes, exactly. And that's one thing that they say they hear throughout The underground is people talking, and some people say they think it's voices from the streets maybe above or in a business Mm -hmm. that's above them, which I think is a plausible explanation. It's hard to know until you're there, so you really see both sides of that. Is it paranormal? Is it not? It's really hard to say from my perspective. Lastly, there is a ghost that is probably seen more than any others by the name of Edward. They believe that he died back in the day when this was a bank in the actual teller's cage that is still there that you can walk through and see, when this was a 24-7 bank. It was open 24-7 because people from the gold rush would come into town and wanna cash in their gold and get cash for it at any given hour of the day. And so he was working overnights he was discovered shot they don't know if it was maybe an attempted robbery or they also say because there used to be just a lot of random shootouts bullets that are stray flying around he may have gotten hit by a stray bullet they're not really sure but he is seen around this teller's cage area quite a bit he has a lot of evps that's how they got the name edward actually is through evps they'll ask questions like who is here with us? And you might hear back Edward or sometimes even Eddie, for example. Mm, very so, very cool. He's very talkative. He's interactive. He's responding to things. And if you see him, what you're going to want to look for is a tall man wearing suspenders with a top hat and a very large handlebar mustache. That is awesome. I would love to see. Edward or Eddie. I feel like this sounds like a friendly ghost, like just a, a typical guy that just happens to still be there for whatever reason. I have never been to Seattle. I'm actually talking about maybe going to Seattle in the near future, but this is a place that looks really cool. And the city itself is awesome. So there's plenty of reasons alone to go to Seattle. This is in a downtown area. I would call it kind of the historic district known as Pioneer Square. So all of the buildings around it tend to be pretty old, a lot of history. Whereas if you, you know, go a few blocks down, you might see like the newer, you know, architecture and stuff like that. So this is a historic area looks like there's lots of good food options around here. I read something about like the world's best Bloody Mary down the street Whoa. from the tour opening. So, you know, look into that. We were talking about Bloody Marys recently on an episode. So tons of stuff to do in the general vicinity here. I agree. I like. We always say this. We have yet to visit really the Pacific Northwest and it just seems like a super haunted location as well. We've done so many episodes up there and we have yet to visit and so it just makes sense that the underground of Seattle's haunted and they've got tours totally so we're going to talk about one specific tour here there are several different tours out there that claim to be the Seattle Underground Tours. The Bill Speedle Tour is the original tour. It's been going on since 1965, so I'm going to cover that one specifically. And they have some really good options. What I will say about it is most of it is historic. They do have a paranormal option I'm going to talk to you about, but it's full of, like, dad jokes. So they, they kind of claim it's, like, history? That's funny at the same time. So Be prepared for a very high energy tour guide that is going to tell you a lot of cheesy jokes along (laughs) the way, if that's your speed. That sounds kind of interesting. Could be funny. Yes. So the tour itself is 75 minutes long. The typical kind of daytime tour. They have these tours every hour, on the hour, pretty much every day of the week, except for some major holidays like Christmas or Thanksgiving so you can even show up and book it if maybe you happen to be walking around and you're not sure if you're going to have time and you find out you do they probably have a tour opening at the next hour so you can just show up and go or you can even book it online if you do want to book it ahead of time for children it's only eight dollars and for adults it is 19 dollars for the daytime historic tour that's a great deal an hour and 15 minutes that's not bad no, not bad at all. And it does look like it's going to be fun, paranormal or no paranormal. They probably talk about the ghosts a little bit, too, on the daytime tour. They must. You're you're basically like in a ghost town underground. Right. And you're also, even though they're not necessarily, you're not there to search for ghosts, like, you just never know what you're going to see. You, A lot of what they say is things show up in pictures, orbs, which, you know take it or leave it. But they say like, even like people will, like ghost people will photobomb Mm -hmm. sometimes. And so a lot of things show up in pictures. So even if you're down there during the day, you just never know what you're gonna run into, whether you're expecting it or not. They also have what they call the underground paranormal experience. This is a 90 minute tour where they are gonna actually give you a tour of the place, but they also provide equipment. They say this is like high-end equipment that the professionals use. It did not really list on their website what that meant exactly. I'm gonna assume it's more than just like an EMF detector, but who knows? I mean, Maybe it is just an EMF detector. I have no idea. But anyway, they are gonna show you how to use the equipment, whatever that equipment may be. And they recommend that it be for ages 13 and up. So if you have some like teenagers, children, you might be able to take them on this tour if they're comfortable doing it. And it is 9 p.m. daily, almost all year. There are some differences in the time frame depending on the time of year. Like in the summer, I think sometimes it starts at 8 p.m. instead of 9 Halloween, I think they have a special time for that, maybe pushed back even a little bit later. But most of the year it's going to be at 9 and if you're going, this is when I do recommend you book ahead of time because it's only once a day. It's not like every hour on the hour at night. You want to make sure that you can actually book a spot that's available and make sure you get the time. And for that 90-minute tour with equipment provided, it is only $33. Huh. That's a great deal to be able to go down there. And it's, to me, starting at 9 p.m. is perfect because it's getting dark. It's the, it's the right time. And then, you know, you have dinner, go, go ghost hunt, and then maybe go back out, have some more drinks, whatever you're doing on your vacation up there. Exactly. I feel like it's the perfect time. And you're not going to be there all night. It's enough time to, like, have fun, be a little scared, and maybe see something. Yeah. Hope for the best. Hope you catch something. Well, the Seattle Underground sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Cammie, for that great recommendation. If you want to send us a recommendation like Cammie and some of our other listeners have, go to yourhauntedholiday.com, hit contact us, and send us an email. We welcome emails of all sorts, recommendations, ghost stories, all of the above. All right. If you're enjoying the show, spread the word and make sure to rate us five stars. If you listen on Apple, have a great week and thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everybody.